Hello and welcome to the November DCM podcast. If you are a long-time listener of the podcast, you might remember that in November 2016, I interviewed Miles Carter from Adam and Eve DDB, and the podcast was recorded immediately after our annual DCM Upfronts event at BAFTA. Well, this November is no different. I'm once again in the Princess Anne room at BAFTA, and I'm joined by Simon Gosling, fresh from his presentation as part of our Upfronts. Now, Simon is a futurist at Unruly, and we'll get on to exactly what a futurist does shortly. But Simon has 25 years experience in the advertising industry. He's a leading authority in VR, VFX and CGI animation. And during that time, he's been a VFX exec producer with Framestore and MPC. He's also been a keynote speaker at major events, including CanLion, DNAD and TED, and a thought leader in some amazing acronyms here, VR, AR, MR, IOT, which I don't know what that is, so I'm going to have to ask you, Simon, and the Connected Home. Welcome, Simon. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, firstly, I should probably ask, what is IOT? It's the Internet of Things, basically. I did know that. Anything Gosh. that's connected to Wi-Fi, uh, any objects connected to Wi-Fi are part of the Internet of Things. I did know that. Silly me. Anyway, uh, and can you let us know what a futurist does? If you look it up in the Oxford Dictionary, it says someone who makes predictions based on current trends. Um, so that's an absolutely accurate reference to what it's about. But uh, it's also a job title that seems to be growing a lot more out of uh, Silicon Valley. If you look at someone like Mark Zuckerberg uh, and Facebook who bought Oculus Rift from a 19... Well, there's a 19-year-old guy called Palmer Lucky who sort of reinvented virtual reality in his grandparents' garage. And by the time he was 22, he was selling his company, Oculus Rift, to Facebook for $2.4 billion. And Mark Zuckerberg said this is the best and worst decision we've ever made as a company because it's the best thing because we see VR as the future and this guy's doing great VR in his grandparents' garage. You know, he's got his dev kit out and it's good. But what Mark Zuckerberg also said was, we should have seen this coming and had it been been working on it in-house ourselves. And I think the view was if they'd had a futurist who was looking at the new advances in technology and what that could mean for social media, someone in-house might have invented VR as it happened a young guy did in his grandparents' garage and they have to spend money on it. So I think what a futurist can do for a company is, or like I say, look at these advancements in technology and say, how can that apply to my business? How can I disrupt my own business with this and uh, not be disrupted by a competitor? So can you tell us a little bit about Unruly and what you do there? Well, what Unruly does as a company is we get videos seen, loved and shared. Uh, we don't just reach people, we move people with uh, content video, branded videos. So uh, brands will come to us with their, uh, with their t well, with their, with their commercials, whether that's uh, a TV ad or it might be a piece of content especially made for the internet. We receive that content. We do a few things with it, but essentially, first of all, we do sort of a, uh, like a market research testing on it. We send it out, uh, a film out to 500 people. We use their webcams, they know we're using them, to measure their facial response, to see how they're uh, reacting to that, to that video. And we also ask them to write down what they think about it. Uh, because we know that emo the right emotional intelligence applied to advertising is more effective. So what we do is we look at the 500 people, see who's responding best to that content and then we upscale to those people who respond best because we know that liking and sharing and viewing and caring equals buying so whereas with television you used to take a film play it to everyone irrespective of whether they were going to buy the product or not now you can reach the people and target the people most likely to buy your product and that's what we do 
And you've spoke a lot about the connected home, uh, using such products as Amazon Alexa, Google Home, and how that can also move out of the home as well. Um, what do Unruly do uh, in that space? Well, the reason we've built the future home is we see it as representative of the next, um, you know, the connected home really is going to be the next frontier for marketing. We call it the ambient era, the connected cognified home, okay? Um, and what we really recognize with Un Unruly is, you know, we have a saying, we say we don't make films, but we make them famous. We distribute to the people most likely to share them. And the more sharing you get, the more famous the film becomes. And what enables us to target the right people is data. The connected home, this connected cognified home driven by Alexa or driven by Google Home is going to generate, we're going to quadruple each of us, the amount of data that we use between now and 2020. And essentially what we've done is we've built a home, this 2,000 square foot home in our head office. It's like an authentic, real home. We've built it to ask ourselves the question, how are we going to be able to use this increased amount of data, the Internet of Things and voice activation? How are these things going to change storytelling for brands? And essentially we're saying to brands, we get your video seen today by using the data available today. There's a whole load more data coming in the future. We're studying how we're going to be able to use that on your behalf sensibly and with the right emotional intelligence in the future. And you just mentioned there that you've built a 2,000 square, square foot home in your office. Can right. you, that sounds like uh, an incredible undertaking. Can you just ex expand on that? Yeah, it's, uh, so I led the creation of what we actually do. The project's called Home. And as you say, 2,000 square foot within our office. When you walk through the glowing doorway, the voice-activated glowing doorway into the home, people go ooh and ah because I say turn on welcome home. The curtains open, the coffee goes on, the lights go on, the thermostat dials to just the right temperature, music goes on, uh, your favourite playlist. It's a voice-activated home and it has every sort of room that you'd expect in a home. It has... You start with a hallway, you go into a living room, dining room, kitchen, there's bedrooms, there's a balcony, there's a walk-in wardrobe, there's a bathroom. And you could actually live in it. And most of the people who walk through the door go, wow, I wish I could live in here, because it's a really beautiful space, we're very proud of it. And actually when people say, I wish I could live here, it's the biggest compliment, because we've really worked hard to make sure it feels like an authentic home, not a showroom stuck in an office. It really does have, like, in the, if you go in the kids' rooms, there's colouring pencils strewn over the table. It feels like, it really feels like you've walked into someone's home and someone lives there. When, when brands and agencies come around and have a look at it and they walk around the connected home and we start to describe how things are going to work, how advertising is going to work in the new home, it's the home of 2020 is the, the year we've kind of put on it. People, the brands that come and see us say, you know what, you could have come and told us this in a, an office it doesn't feel the same as actually interacting with these new technologies inside a home. When you do it inside a home, you sort of take your professional hat on, off, and you almost become a bit more of a consumer or a, or a home dweller. And you engage with these technologies and you think, yeah, I would do this in my own home. I would interact with a brand that way. And it starts to become more effective because of that. You've mentioned some stats about uptake by 2020. Do you really genuinely think this uh, connected home will become truly mainstream? I think... Um, the connected home, well, yes, there's a few things I would say on that. So, for example, if you look at like someone like Siemens, who are all about the kitchen, they have a kitchen set of appliances which are based on the Home Connect app. So, in the home, we have our dishwasher, washing machine, tumble dryer, fridge, uh, oven, coffee machine. They're all connected via an app, which means that if I'm in bed in the morning, as long as I've put a mug under the coffee machine, I can set the coffee going and it will make it for me. These devices, you know, if the 50s was about labour saving, the future tech is about assistance, invisible um, 
this technology that sort of blends into the background, it assists us. It tells us when we need to leave home to get to our meeting on time and all this sort of thing. So I, do I genuinely believe that connected home is going to come by 2020? Well, certainly that we've already seen sort of the early adopters turning their lights on and so on. The key thing people are doing with smart speakers today is listening to music and doing internet searches. But it's very easy to turn on the lights. It's very easy to switch on the kettle. And we're going to see a growth in people sort of voice activating their home. But we're also going to see that we're just seeing a massive growth in the number of uh, brand, uh, you know, m- manufacturers who are creating technology which is IoT based. In your presentation just now at BAFTA, uh, you said it's important for, well, what, the context within our upfronts was it's important for brands to build brand love in future. Why do you think that is? When you think about the uh, connected home in terms of marketing, you really have to think about it in terms of the outside world, its relationship with the outside world. And one of the things we feel uh, is that the outside world is where you develop brand love. And inside the home or the car, because this technology is also coming to our cars, we're seeing Alexas come to BMWs and Nissans and Fords next year. So outside world is the where you develop the brand love, but inside the home or car is now your point of sale. And it's a massively changing paradigm. So in the current day, if I'm buying batteries and I'm on a laptop, I'll search batteries and I'll get a visual cue to, of choices. The number one up, up there on the list would be Amazon batteries, then Duracell, then Energizer. And I make a visual choice. I, and personally, I go for Duracell uh, because I love that bunny. I trust that those batteries are going to last twice as long as ordinary batteries. And uh, affection, well, I think it's all about love, trust, and affection. Affection, well, Santa used to put uh, Duracell batteries in my stocking for Christmas sort of thing. So I have a great association. So I will say, if when it comes to vocal shopping, add batteries, add Duracell batteries to basket. And the key concern is, if I only said add batteries, I would receive Amazon batteries. And that's brand bypass. What you have to do to avoid brand bypass is develop that brand love. And cinema advertising is one of the great places to do that. You're obviously looking at trends and what technologies we're going to be using in the future. What other technologies are you particularly excited about? I think when it comes to marketing, and funnily enough, even though we've got these connected appliances and that's great in the home, but for marketing it's very much in mobile. Because I think the key, the key technologies which are rising are augmented reality, voice um, recognition, uh, and object recognition or visual search. Those are the three things. And so in my presentation today, I said that in the past, storytelling in advertising, it's always been about great stories, but it was very much a one-way message. It was kind of buy our soap powder. Now it's a two-way conversation. I call it story sharing. And I think that if you look at it, it consists of different moments now. We call them micro moments. Want to know, want to explore, want to buy. So if I may, as an example, you might, for example, I'm a cycling fan. I might say to my um, smart speaker, um, what bike did Chris Froome use to win the Tour de France this year, his fourth Tour de France win? And I'll be told it was the Pinarello Dogma F10. Uh, where can I get the best uh, deal on a bike like that? It will tell me that I can get that possibly on eBay for about £7,500. Can you send a um, hologram of that bike to my phone for me to explore? So I want to know and want to explore on a phone. We've been in want to know on a voice. And a hologram will arrive at my phone and I'll be able to explore that bike in close-up detail. We're already seeing this take place today. If you download um, IKEA Place, you can put objects of all their furniture into your room. You'll know if it fits in your room and you can explore it in close-up detail. And then once you've explored it and, you, and you know, you're like, okay, I'm sold. You can just add to basket and buy, whether you do that by voice, or whether you just touch on the hologram and hologram and do it on your device. So 
there's all sorts of advertising taking place there across different touch points within the storytelling process. You showed an incredible video as well about, I can't remember what it was called, about where it was Google Maps, but instead of following <laughs> a map, you follow a augmented reality character down the street. What was that called? It's called The Hot Stepper. It's made by a company called Nexus Studios. And you're right, you um, show the Google Maps, you show a sort of Google Maps style device where your next meeting is. And uh, when you're ready, you follow uh, an animated character down the street. Instead of looking at the blue dot move down the maps, you actually follow a, a character that walks in touch with the pavement of the ground. And not only does it walk on the ground, but it, when it moves from light to shade back to light, for example, the shading on the character also changes because it takes the light that's going into your camera and in real time applies it to the character. So it's a really funny uh, piece and I you know, urge people to look at Hot Step. You'll see a, a big guy in his underpants and a hat walking down the street. But on a serious note, this could easily, just as easily be Charles Darwin walking you around the Natural History Museum and uh, pointing out different uh, things in the museum and teaching you about them. It has many different applications or Cristiano Ronaldo leads you to the Nike store or whatever. So that's just one way, I think, augmented reality that's an example of augmented reality using characters and we already mentioned the Duracell bunny okay but I also think it can allow us to explore objects like I've mentioned with Ikea but it also can be very effectively used in storytelling if you have a look at what Peter Jackson the director of the Lord of the Rings is doing with augmented reality you can see that online just look up Peter Jackson augmented reality there was something he did on BBC click that you can have a look at and you'll see these characters coming to life on your tabletop in different scenarios and uh He's taking AR storytelling to another level. It's so immersive. Um, and, you know, when it comes to, like I say, making sure that you do something so that people don't forget to name your brand when you're asking for things without a screen in place, you know, by 2020, 50% of internet search is going to be screenless. It's going to be voice-based. So, it's like I say, you need to do something that makes people, when they do ask for something out loud, they think of your brand name and they put that in the conversation. And it's by engaging with technologies like augmented reality or virtual reality, which will encourage people to remember your name to keep you present in that conversation. Uh, you mentioned Peter Jackson. Do you think cinemas... Uh, st storytellers, people, uh, people like Peter Jackson have got a big part to play in this sort of technology moving forward. I really do. I mean, one of the films that you showed coming up next year was Steven Spielberg's um, Ready Player One. Now, that's looking at life in 2044, where people are spending... It's based on the book by Ernst Klein, uh, Ready Player One, which I've read and absolutely love. I can't wait for that film to come out. Um, it's kind of dystopian. It shows that by 2044, people are spending 75% of their lives in VR because there's nowhere for them to go, as the trailer says. I don't think we're there quite yet. Will we ever end up there? Maybe. But... Um, that's that film is really going to show the power of VR, and I think it's going to be a big booster to VR. When you look at what Peter Jackson's doing with just experimenting with AR kits, which is the development tool that Apple have created, and you look at the experience that I was describing of these characters on tabletops, you know, one of the things I like about what they say in that little video on the BBC was it said, we're just making 90-second experiences. That's good. You don't really necessarily need a huge story told these ways, but you just want something where you create a scene, you can touch on characters, find out more about them. In fact, I think that what we're seeing with um, storytelling is, and this ability for you to lead the storytelling rather than the brand, is often you know, something like we're seeing Tommy Hilfiger do with visual searches. You can be in Tommy Land, which is this space that Tommy Hilfiger's created. With the app, you can point at posters, you can point at um, people on the runway, you can point at all these things, it recognises what they're wearing, you can add it to basket. You know, I was talking to us at a sports event the other day, all right, and we're thinking about um, how various things can work. And so 
did you ever have the uh, Panini football stickers when you yes, were Yes, Mexico 86. Love that. All right. Now, imagine with your device, you can hold the phone over the sticker album. All right. But when you look at Emirates Stadium for Arsenal, for example, the stadium now stands up on the booklet. If you look at the pa- the players, when you're holding the camera over the various players as stickers, you know, they all stand up on their All the little players stand up on the book. And if you want to touch on the player and change the kit and launch the video and find out more, it can act as a sort of launch pad to so much storytelling all just through one application. And you can see that having useful applications in the cinema foyer environment as such. Massively. I mean, like I was saying with Tommyland, where you can point at things, at posters, and activate them. In a cinema foyer, you know, if you've got posters coming up for the, uh, around the cinema, as we've always seen for the forthcoming uh, films which are coming out, if you think, God, I really want to see that, you used to have to just commit it to memory. Now, if you had the application, you'll be able to point it at the poster, and you'll be able to add tickets to basket immediately uh, in by just by letting the poster activate that um, transaction. I recently spoke at Mindshare Huddle yep. on uh, uh, the theme of CGI actors and actors of the future. Do you think there's going to still be a place for uh, human actors in future? Well, I think one of the biggest films we're going to see on the cinema next year is going to be Incredibles 2. And it's obviously it's human voices inside animated characters so we've had that for a long time and i think those those characters are beca- the cgi characters are becoming more and more realistic looking but you know what we're humans and when you look at francis mcdormand's uh performance in that forthcoming film what was it called three billboards outside ebbing missouri it's so human and we love storytelling is all that really matters at the end of the day and so yes i think we're going to see a great combination of uh, human performance, animated character performance, and animated characters that look so real. I mean, we're already, Jar Jar Binks was maybe not the best example, <laughs> right? but that was already a, 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 an early stage look of a CGI character integrating with uh, real actors, and we've seen later examples where CGI characters, in fact, when you see something like a Spider-Man hero film, you'll see the live-action character, he'll do an amazing stunt, and then go back to live-action, it will transition from... Uh, live action to CGI back to live and you don't even know it's happened and so yeah it's just all one big blending pot really. So do you think filmmakers are futurists in some way? Definitely. I mean, if you look in 2001, um, you know, they're looking at iPads in 2001. If you look at Minority Report, which is looking at gesture interfaces, which was now what we're using, that was a 2002 film doing that. Will we ever be able to beam me up, Scotty? That only remains to be seen. But I have done a telephone call with a hologram, which is very much like R2-D2 showing Princess Leia. I did the world's first um, call where I had a conversation with a hologram in front of me. The person was five and a half miles down the street, but there they were through my Microsoft HoloLens mixed reality headset, I could see a life-size hologram of someone sitting opposite me. I had a conversation with them through a phone, but I could see them through my Microsoft HoloLens, and it was like they were in the room, albeit they were very bluey. That experiment, which was done with a company called Double Me, who are partners in the uh, Unruly Home, that experiment has now gone to Vodafone and Huawei, uh, and so that service provider and that manufacturer are working with Double Me to look at actually making hologram phone calls come to life. So what we see in films like Star Wars suddenly becomes reality later on, so it definitely leads the way. Science fiction becomes science fact. Exactly the way. So let's talk about films for a second, Simon. So uh, you've obviously mentioned Three Billboards, The Incredibles 2 uh, and Ready Player One. What films uh, have you seen this year that you've particularly enjoyed? That I've seen this year? I've really enjoyed La La Land. Uh, I'm a music, a big music fan. I really enjoyed that film. That really stuck with me. And what are you looking forward to next year? Next year, well, you know, how old did you say Incredibles was now? 
Uh, Incredibles came out in 2004. So uh, when Incredibles 2 comes out, yeah, it'll be 14 years. 14 years. Well, my children are 19, 16, and 14, all right? So when Incredibles came out, um, you know, they, they were around sort of five three and zero and we've grown up with Incredibles as a family and I, I know that's um, even though my daughter's gone to Bristol now and uh, you know it's rare that the five of us ever go to a cinema I can see that being a film that all five of us will come back together for to go and see so I can't wait to see it yeah and it's still one of Pixar's best films as well isn't it it's just brilliant and again storytelling and characters some people have come into the back of the room, so we will uh, call it a day there. But thank you so much for joining me, Simon. It's been uh, a pleasure. And I'll be back next month. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs>